0: Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian, and today I've got with me Father Tom Early from St. Albans and Spirit Lake. Good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And uh, today we're looking at the, the final entry in our Our series on Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, we went through 1 Corinthians and now we've done this will be five weeks this coming weekend on 2 Corinthians. Uh, Here we have 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with the first verse. Paul says, now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there, and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purpose of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. So that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things. You trust God, you articulate, you're insightful, you're passionate, you love us. Now do your best in this too. I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I am hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So here's what I think, Paul says. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way up, your surplus matching their deficit, their surplus matching your deficit. In the end, you come out even, as it is written, nothing left over to the one with the most, nothing lacking to the one with the least. I thank God for giving Titus the same devoted concern for you that I have. He was most considerate of how we felt, but his eagerness to go to you and help out with this relief offering is his own idea. We're sending a companion along with him, someone very popular in the churches for his preaching of the message. But there's far more to him than popularity. He's rock-solid, trustworthy. The church has handpicked him to go with us as we travel about doing this work of sharing God's gift to honor God as well as we can, taking every precaution against scandal.
1: And I have, uh, we are in John's gospel, uh, and we are on the 13th chapter of the gospel according to John, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another.
0: Gosh, somebody ought to make a song out of that or something. I don't know. So... We, uh, in case you're wondering, I forgot to mention, uh, we we said before we got rolling with the recording, but Pastor Perry is on vacation this week, and so he will be back to preach on this this, uh, text this coming weekend. But in the meantime, the cat's away, shall we say, and the mice will play with this text and see where things go here. Um, I guess as I was looking at this, again, the, the prescribed subject for this text is generosity, but for whatever reason, as I got to looking into the text, I felt like this is all born out of, as he's talking about what compelled these individuals to be generous, who it seems he's saying didn't have a lot from a, maybe he's saying that they're poor and yet they're generous. They gave more than they had. That to me is all born out of a deep sense of gratitude, of having been, having a sense of having a lot, maybe not from a perspective of how others, might necessarily look at you but how you look at your own life how you look at uh, perhaps your relationship with God and this deep sense of gratitude that comes out of that that maybe to borrow language from the 23rd psalm pours over you know and, and you have in that sense of relationship with God more than enough that you feel compelled you want to share others and uh, and help out there so that's that's kind of one initial glance at the text that something that caught my attention there how about you Tom?
1: I find myself still uh, computing all this, so sometimes you get sort of sort of a half-baked cookie out of the <laughs> oven, and some people like that, and some people don't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this out of the oven, perhaps <laughs> prematurely, but um, I think about uh, when you think when you talk about generosity and um, poverty you would think that perhaps, and especially generosity towards the church, right? You would think that perhaps a sense of miserliness would inhabit the soul of the poor. This, you know, this not just thrift, but uh, but obsession with, with thrift. So maybe we'd call somebody cheap, right? And what I have found is that poor people are usually the most generous because they have an experience of they have a relationship to with to material goods that is so day to day it is so you know and that's and that's sort of the way that the gospel instructs us to live with material goods is you know god you know trust that god will provide for you don't worry about it you know have faith that god will give you what you need you know we don't we don't, we don't get our, uh, we pray for our daily bread, right? We don't pay for, uh, we don't pray for a year's worth all at once. We pray for, you know, we pray for our bread to come to us each day. And so I have found that, um, and this manifests itself in lots of different ways, but when I was, um, we did this poverty simulation uh, one time. I was on a mission trip to Denver, and we did this poverty simulation and it was a woman who experienced homelessness herself who wound up being the most generous with, you know, what little, you know, sort of a widow's mite situation or what little she had, she offered um, to, to people who were um, uh, experiencing a hard time themselves. And I see that also in, um, in denominations that are made up of folks from a predominantly lower socioeconomic background. The offering is one of the highlights of the liturgy. Uh, you know, we, I don't know about your church, uh, Pastor Brian, but at my church, the offertory is, is you know, it's kind of like, well, let's get this done. And I don't want anybody to see the number on my check. So I'm going to make sure it's folded. If I've got cash. I'm going to put it in there really quick. So no one can, you know, I don't want, I don't want people to judge me. But in the, but in, uh, especially, you know, it's, it's especially in the African-American community. The offering is really an important thing because it's this symbol of, you know, it's there, they're usually a people who are much more aware of the fact that they depend totally on God. And um, like we all do, but sometimes we forget about it. And so the offering is this symbolic returning of a little bit of what God has given us back to the one who gave it to us.
0: I was just thinking of a couple different different things. Well, one, uh, as you have visited and helped with leading worship among our congregation, you know, you've said, stood out to me a couple of different times. You've said during the offering that uh, along with what we have to offer, we also offer to God the things that we don't know what to do with in that there's that faith or that trusting that, um, whatever offering is, there's a relationship that's a part of that. And I think that gets to an underlying thing that we unfortunately really didn't pick up a lot of in this two part series on first and second corinthians but i know paul takes at least some part of one of these letters to talk about the body of christ and so to say that this there this giving this relationship this sharing that he talks about at the end of this particular passage is all related we're all part of this one body um, and you know that's in a culture that is very um, individualistic or very i'm trying to think of what the word that there's a word for it but it's it's me driven like what can i get out of it oh, you sorry, know maybe? Um, Yes, that's another, (laughs) that's another, there's a less uh, harsh word that somehow makes it seem okay.
1: Charitable charitable term.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'll I'll think of it once this podcast is done. Anyway, the image of we are all one body is very helpful because I can't say to my finger, oh finger, I see you're over there suffering today, but you know what? That's too bad for you, but I don't have to have a part of your pain. You know, it's it's part of my body and I feel it. And that's what Paul is uh, saying too when he uses this bodily image is that we can't, if we are going to call ourselves the body of Christ, we can't say, Oh, you're suffering over there. That's too bad. Um, But uh, that doesn't really affect me. You know, he's saying that this is all together in this. And that made me think of, again, when you were talking about, offering in other cultures, I think of my visits to Haiti there, and that's very much their sentiments is, again, it's very much a daily thing because you may not have your job from one day to the next. You might have the work today, your neighbor might have it tomorrow, um, but whoever brings home the chicken that night to eat, that's that's kind of the staple protein that they have there. Whoever brings home the chicken, you share it with the whole community um, because you might be hoping that someone tomorrow who got to work will bring home and share the chicken with you. You know, there's really no, no sense of like this is my thing and that's too bad for you. You know, it's, there's very much a, a communal sense there and there's very much, um, I, I'm going to borrow one of Pastor Perry's stories here and I hope I get it right since he's not here, but I think I've heard him tell it enough times that that it will fit. He's talked about too worshiping when he's been in Tanzania and how when they, If they don't have a monetary gift, they still come forward for the offering. Everybody gets up and comes to a plate or a bucket up front and, and will even simply place in their hand to say that uh, my life or my skills, my talents I'm offering here, even though I don't have a, a financial gift, I know God has given me something and I want to share it with this body. There's very much a, a gratitude perspective of God has given me something and I want to share it with this community here as part of that
1: this makes me think of uh, the Lord's Supper and in the Episcopal church and in the Anglican church, um, we've got, we've got old prayers and we've got new prayers. But one of the old prayers that I really like uh, is around is the Eucharistic prayer. And there's a portion where we, you know, we go through all these things that we're offering God. It's very oblational, Um, but it says, and it's almost at the end. It's almost, it's at the end and it's, and it comes off as almost like, an embarrassing thing to offer God, but we say, um, we present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies to be a reasonable, holy and living sacrifice unto thee. Humbly beseeching thee that we, and then I forget the rest, but I used to, I, uh, um, we and all those who will receive the sacrament um, may dwell in, or that you may dwell in us and and, and we in you. Uh, but it's this idea of in the Eucharist, you know, we, are, we present God our money offering, we present God this offering of bread and wine, um, and we present God uh, the, ourselves, and indeed, we, we offer God the whole world, in a sense, at, at the Eucharist.
0: Well, we've got a few guests with us here today, too. We've got Carol De Shepherd and Ralph Carlson with us here, too. Any questions you have, that, or things that popped up for you as you heard the text, or... Uh, questions or thoughts you've had on um, what other Tom and I have been talking about. So as we've talked about gratitude today, just take some time as soon as you get done with this podcast here and uh, grab a pen and paper and think about some things that are, that you're grateful for that are going on in your life or the life of your community or, uh, in the lives of those around you, family and friends, as well, take a take a little time and write down some things that you 're grateful for
1: in whatever time you set aside for God prayerfully in god 's presence, just bring to mind when you think of generosity what comes to mind and sort of think about you know God, why have you put this in my imagination? You might be surprised, you might be someone from your past who gave you something that you could never repay them. Um, could be a, uh, just a situation. Maybe it's an overwhelming gratitude for, um, seeing somebody get married to, uh, someone they don't deserve or something like that. I know that that's what my parents feel when they see my wife uh, and, uh, but yeah, I think that when you just spend some time with whatever, whatever kind of quiet time you have with God each day, um, just let, yourself, let your imagination bring to mind generosity and what image is associated with that and just spend some time with that.
0: This question, getting at that relationship piece, kind of tied into the practice you just lifted up there, Tom, when's a time that someone was generous in your Estimation of what the generous act is when was a time that somebody was generous to you and how did that make you feel? Then on the the flip side of that when was a time that you felt you were generous to someone else and Regardless of how they reacted. How did that? How did that make you feel to be? generous to someone else